Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Hello and welcome to another episode of Topical Island. So happy for everyone to be listening to us today. And uh, how are we all doing? Julie, Kristen, how have you been? Julie, let's start with you. Uh, I'm very well. In fact, I, I, I'll hold up my glass here. Mm. You may notice that my water has some cucumbers in it. How and very that, spa-like of Well, you. we did a spa day from or spa play, I don't know what you would say, with my daughter Aww. this afternoon. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And it was so fun. So like we did like oatmeal masks and like the cucumber eyes and then set up like a you know, in our ensuite, she had like a candle and a warm bath with like Epsom salts and a bath bomb. And oh my um, gosh, yeah, it was. And and she's like, sometimes at spas they have smoothies, and so she had a <laughs> smoothie. <laughs> was that like a mom? It's time for my smoothie. Yes, <laughs> that was like a mom. Sometimes uh, other people in the grocery store don't like crying babies. That's right. And I think the like. Sherry, on top of all the ridiculous things she said uh, during our spa play, so she had Manny, Petty, uh, yeah, facial, uh, nice bath. We did like a hair mask on, like for her hair, and um, the oatmeal mask, which was just like oats on our faces. Mm-hmm. But um, I was like, okay, well, and I was cor- of course doing the voice, so. Um, here is a warm cloth to remove the oatmeal mask. Um, and she's like, it's uh, also to see the results. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Where did she get that from? I don't, at that age, I wouldn't have had a clue what you do with the spa. I, I think there was an yeah. episode of Fancy Nancy. Oh, okay. That was about the spa, but I didn't think... <laughs> Oh, well, let's see the results of our oatmeal That's facial amazing. Scrubs. Or she's behind your back been watching, like, plastic surgery reveals. <laughs> Botched. Yeah, and now we've removed the wrapping to see the <laughs> I, oh, geez, That sounds incredible. so fun. I'm but only it, it, just a little bit um, disappointed that I was not invited. This sounds amazing. <laughs> Next time it, I come to your house, I would like to be served a smoothie and be given an Epsom salt bath in your ensuite. <laughs> I know how deep that tub is. It's a wonderful tub and it's a big tub and I'm glad that she was using it. And she, it took several hours. She relished in it. I thought for sure she would get bored, but no, I kept going in and to check on, uh, is everything okay, ma'am? Do you need anything? And she would just be floating in the tub with, you know, the spa music and her candle going. She's got a stressful life, Julie. Just, she had to compressed. Yes, highly recommend a spa day for everybody. Do little at-home treatments. It costs like nothing. Were you, did you do them too, Julie? Were you allowed to, like, were you also being treated? (laughs) Oatmeal mask. I did like these eye patches under my eye, those gold ones. I don't know. I got some at Christmas. And then, of course, I just enjoyed cucumber water. But um, no, I, that was the extent that I was pampered. But uh, it was kind of fun to be the pampery yeah sure pamperer yeah pamperer yeah well i mean you're not the only one experiencing 
a new baby in the house. Your daughter is dealing with all of these things too. It's true. (laughs) Now, at one point, the baby did have to come to the spa during the manicure portion. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, you brought your baby for a little extra cuteness. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, she can't get enough soul. of that girl. She's, she's, she is. Yeah, she's funny. She's so mm-hmm. funny. She kills me. Anyway, <laughs> for the so I've had a wonderful <laughs> afternoon. Um, how about how about you, Kristen? What are you? What's been going on this week? Well, just as you were talking about this, I I saw one of my friends did sort of something sort of similar with her daughter, and I saw it, and I was like, she. Might, I don't know if she saw it online or thought of it themselves, but I thought it was ingenious. So her daughter had opened like a manicure spa and they had a big piece of cardboard and all these hands drawn on it so she was like doing all these manicures i was like oh that's so cute because then she could pretend that she was doing all these different people's nails so um you know there's an i mean i guess julie you probably didn't need any more work to do (laughs) today but i thought that was a cute idea if anyone has any young children who like to paint nails listening yeah um I wanted to do a Netflix recommendation because yesterday I was, I have kind of like maxed out all my shows and I saw this pop up. I didn't know it was coming and I like clicked on it immediately because it was everything I wanted. So I don't know if you've ever heard, you guys have ever heard of Tyler. I forget what his like kind of name is, but he's a medium and he had the show on E News. Do you know him? I only know it because I turned on Netflix the other day and it was the preview playing Mm. I watched it and cannot wait to watch the show but I'd never heard of him before yeah so he used to have this so he's this incredible medium and he's on but the e-news or the e-news e-talk e whatever that network is called it was only because they're so obsessed with celebrities so he would only read celebrities but so this show is a lot more like fulsome it's like him he reads all these people I guess his waiting list is like 300,000 people long so they're picking and choosing people on there like but at some point over... you got to close off the list, right? Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. I don't know how they get on the list. I, you know, for three hundred thousand. But he's doing these readings, which are just mind blowing, anyways, and will like change how you feel about anything. I think. Hmm. But also, there's a secondary story. His mom drives him to a lot of his appointments, and she apparently was raised by a woman who isn't her mother, but somehow like stole her and was a murderer. And so that's like the second what? half of the story. So it's just like this show is just like everything I've ever dreamed of rolled into one. And so I've already watched two episodes and been bawling and just it's incredible. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. If you like weird mysteries and mediums, this show is for you. So it feels oh. like a na- it also feels like a natural segue from Love is Blind too. Yes. 100%. <laughs> I did just watch that as well. Which is what I just finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what's going on in my life. Nice. That's amazing. Um, I <laughs> cannot get enough of, of yeah, when people say, I have a recommendation, I just uh, I start salivating. I'm just like, give it, <laughs> give it to me. I really hope I haven't heard of it. And uh, so I haven't watched it, and I'm very excited. Yeah, it, my week has been busy, pretty average, but I heard something just so phenomenal and heartwarming I really wanted to share it with you guys and it is not my turn to do the good news story so I'm sharing it with you now but um you um, sound great Kate you no I said good. um you I don't even hear it you know you what you should it. do is you should say blah, blah instead of um and then I know when to say <laughs> blah. 
now that I can, I see the, um, coming, sorry, you're just going to have to get used to that, Julie. And it is when I do my topic when that it happens the most. I don't notice it when, when I'm either hosting or giving a good news story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously lots of things happening in the world right now. There was a really heartwarming story that came out of Calgary that had to do with Village Ice Cream, which is a local ice cream shop. They've got five locations. And one thing that I didn't know is that the owners, one of the owners, it's a couple, and one of the owners immigrated from Ukraine. They decided that one Sunday they would donate every single one of their all of their revenue from that day to the Canada Ukraine Foundation. And so that would go towards medical and humanitarian support in Ukraine. The day that they did that, the lineups were insane. They were around blocks. They were down the street. People came out for ice cream in March (laughs) so that they could be a part of contributing to this cause and in that single day they raised over one hundred thousand dollars which broke their single day record over and over again they had never come close to raising that when i heard the interview with the owners one of them had said we thought maybe we could do 15 to twenty thousand, and that would have been awesome we would have been so happy they were just inundated with support And I just, I get chills thinking about it. You know, here in our city of Calgary, there's just so many people who want to do good and, and they were, they were overwhelmed and it was such a heartwarming story. Um, So top that good, good news story. Um, (laughs) Julie looks worried. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, do you want to get back on the internet? (laughs) We might have to. (laughs) Kristen. Where are you taking us today? I, last weekend, I had my friend over for the first time in a very long time. And I found myself like kind of going a little bit crazy in terms of like, I had sushi. I had myself delivered sushi and I like arranged it on a a plate with like a flower. And I um, had uh, ambient music playing. This was a platonic situation (laughs) um and she was bringing wine but i like had my like my uh glasses out uh we went to a candlelight concert and so in calgary so it was absolutely lovely in calgary uh the mask mandates lifted but in this particular concert there they still asked that people wear their mask throughout and there was actually security guards coming through and and making sure and so i think you know for me i wasn't totally comfortable in like a really full scenario without the masks yet but there was this couple in front of us who obviously were half in because they had their masks on but they were doing the like wearing it below their uh, like their the mouth strap. And their, yeah mm-hmm. exactly and no one ever the security guards never saw them and so it was interesting because it's like the mask mandates lifted but this particular venue has the mask uh on and i'm thinking about this and then i realized oh i love etiquette and I love debating Ooh. different scenarios and what's appropriate and what scenario and why. And so I'm not going to judge anyone particularly. I just, I find those kinds of scenarios really interesting. So etiquette is a set of guidelines 
um, that in, when followed properly, create a positive impressions in the minds of the people you interact with. The Oxford English Dictionary defines it as a customary code of polite behavior in society or among members of a profession or a group. But because it's like a customary code, as in that definition, uh, it also evolves over time. So that's, I think, the nice thing about it. I think a lot of the kind of, I guess, maybe traditional etiquette really wouldn't fit nowadays. It really does move along with time. The example that one pe one person gave was you wouldn't send letters to your millennial best friend who you see all the time, although I'm not against it. Um, but maybe that's how your great grandmother loves to communicate. So, right. Yeah. It, like it has to go with the times. So the major difference between uh, manners and etiquette is that technically etiquette is made up of traditions and code and then the manners are how you carry them out. So etiquette would be like the guideline and your personal manners would be how you adhere or don't adhere to those guidelines. Mm. So what do you guys enjoy etiquette or what do you think of when you hear etiquette? I do. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm a rule follower for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. And so it really bothers me when I see people breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say even above that, good manners and there are some things that uh, I'm a little bit torn as well because mm -hmm. there are some things that I think are good etiquette that people that some people might think that's outdated you know and that's right but you know sometimes like for example ball caps at the table or a hat right. at the table yeah. I grew up you do not sit down to dinner with a ball hat on yeah. Mm -hmm. And my mom did not let any of my male friends or boyfriends or my brother or any of his friends have dinner with your hat on. You just don't do it. It wasn't that just was not proper dinner etiquette. Um, yeah. And it's always and that has always bothered me since I wouldn't necessarily for at a rest. No. I would point it out to my significant other. <laughs> um <laughs> He it doesn't mind that like he adheres yeah. to that type of etiquette, um, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily say it to another couple that we're with or a friend's right. significant other or maybe a male friend depending on how close we are. I wouldn't necessarily say, "Look, take your hat off. We're sitting down to dinner." Depending, well, I at the same time I probably would. It probably depends where you are too, right? It depends like if on you're where in you are. The BP lounge, you might yeah. just be like go for it. Yeah. No offense, oh, PP. Kate says no. Oh, okay. Kate, okay. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, I think it depends on my relationship with those people, but yeah. um, it's, uh, it's a pet peeve for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I? What about you, Julie? Sorry, I, before I go ahead, can I drill into that one a little bit? If you were in the BP lounge only for drinks... <laughs> Is that different? And you're sitting at the bar. Sure. But no. I've got less respect for you. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. No, I was I was just um when you initially were talking about it and especially from like the that every country has different uh norms as they relate mm -hmm. to etiquette is that I love it when you go somewhere where it's taken seriously and I oh. struggle in some places I've been where things like 
bidding or um oh. or like cutting in line are just part of how people approach life like right it's, it's not um they're not being rude by any stretch that's just how right. everybody approaches it and that's the way it is and um no i love the organized and stand here as you line up for whatever you're trying to get into and <laughs> that's things we take for granted right like yeah. you think that's just normal but it's not it's not and um and I'm somebody who also will totally internalize it. Like if somebody cuts me off, I won't necessarily say anything, but I am yeah. thinking about it and I'm yelling at them <laughs> a lot in my head. So, well, the yeah. thing I like about Canada is like when you run into someone, it's like, I always think like you say sorry and they say sorry. Yes. And like that is etiquette. It's like if, if you say sorry and then they're like, oh, that's okay. It's like, no, you say sorry no. too. We run into each there's, other. Like yeah, we there's... just say sorry back and forth until one of us dies. <laughs> I know, but I do like that. I do. I know. Yeah. So is that part of, Julie, when you, um, you've traveled to some, like, completely different cultures and such, is is looking up their, I guess, etiquette or manners or whatever's considered polite, is that part of your research that you do? I would say to a certain extent, especially as it relates to food, um, mm. just because there's so many norms around eating and, you know... Yeah. Um, you know, what you do with your utensils or um, right. how you end a meal. Like, you know, do you put a napkin on top of everything? Do you not put a napkin on top of everything? Um, mm -hmm. can mean Tipping, maybe. Tipping would be a good thing to look a up. huge right? one. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, in, in, yeah, in some cultures, it's, it's almost insulting. Yeah. Um, whereas here for us, if you don't do yeah. it, that's incredibly insulting. So, and you also knowing where you tip and where you don't, right? The history of etiquette's kind of funny. So uh, it became it, it began in the French royal courts in the sixteen or the word etiquette, anyways, began in the in the French royal courts in the sixteen hundreds and seventeen hundreds. Etiquette was used to mean keep off the grass. So when Louis the Fourteenth, gardener at Versailles, discovered that the aristocrats were trampling, trampling through his garden, he put up signs or etiquette, as you know, as, as French people, French immersion-y people know. Is the word for uh, etiquette for sign in French to warn them off, but they walked right past the signs. So finally, the king himself had to say that no one was allowed to go beyond the bounds of the etiquette. And then gradually, the meaning of the word was expanded to include uh, the the rules of the court. That's so fascinating. I never that knew is. that. It actually I know it's from so keep literal. Off the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Get off of my lawn. <laughs> So the very first etiquette book was written in 2400 BC, so it probably wasn't called etiquette, but um, by an Egyptian named Tehotep, and it was it was read as though it was prepared as a young advice for a young Egyptian man uh, climbing the social ladder. So one piece of the advice was, when sitting with one superior, laugh when he laughs. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I think, yeah, like, they, I think we'll get into, like, etiquette a little bit. I think it's evolved a little bit because I, I think totally, like, in the past, you know, it went from being very, like, how to fit in with the upper echelons of society, how to, for women, maybe get a husband and... Be a good wife. Be a good wife. And I think it's evolved into something different, perhaps, mm. but I'll let you be the judge of that. So... 
there have been lots of different uh, kind of people who have been touted as kind of the etiquette uh, advice givers. So Emily Post, I think, was one of the most popular examples. So she had written um, some uh, books about uh, etiquette. And then there was Miss Manners newspaper column, which is still active. And I, it looks like now it was it was maybe it maybe is run by multiple people. So it's not all the same person always having to give advice. Hmm. But I wanted to run a scenario by you that I hope isn't too landmine filled. Please do bring on the, <laughs> bring on the mine. Okay, so it says that this column is so Judith Martin, I believe was the original Miss Manners, but now it is uh, Judith Martin nicholas ivor martin i think we've all seen this like ask Anne. maybe is that one of the columns ask Anne. Sounds is that Anne landry or oh yeah, yeah. so there's that all kinds of like familiar. columns where people send in their their queries about um you know what's the best thing to do in different situations okay so here's the question and i want to know how you guys what you, what you think miss manners would say to this so dear miss manners I know that married couples are always supposed to be invited as a pair, the exception being when there's a single gender event, like a bachelor party or a bridal shower. However, what is the rule for inviting a same-sex partner when the spouse would usually be left out? Hypothetical. I'm planning a women's only baby shower. The mother-to-be gives me a list of her close friends and relatives to invite. On the list is Aunt Abby, who's a blood relative, who is married to Aunt Sal. Aunt Sal and the mother-to-be are not close. If Aunt Sal were instead Uncle Sal, he would not expect to be invited because it's a women's only party. But is it rude to invite Aunt Sal when no one else gets a plus one? I'm going to go with, yeah, you you don't invite Aunt Sal. Oh, I'm standing, I am on the opposite side of that. I say yes because it's a gender, it's based on the gender, not the coupleage. Oh, see, I was seeing it the other way, like that I wouldn't treat Aunt Sal different than Uncle Sal because, hmm. Well, do you want to hear what? Yeah, Ms. what does Miss Manners say? I do. <laughs> Gentle reader, the idea that only women might be interested in celebrating a birth is one steeped in sexist tradition, and yet only and yet the custom prevails. Perhaps because most women are too polite to point out that guess what's in the diaper is gross and watching someone open <laughs> presents is not entertainment. <laughs> Which so I find just, it to be. But. She's, I like how she's just taking it out on baby showers. Like, Miss Manners has feelings. <laughs> Any gendered uh, celebration, I suppose. Yes. I don't know how she... I, I, I'd have to find one about bachelor and bachelorette parties. But however you insist on doing it, then you do not get to make up new rules because it suits another outdated expectation that a woman would be married to a man. It would be Mrs. Manor, Miss Manor's preference to eliminate the gender separation altogether, hmm. making the party's eligibility based on interested parties, close family members and friends, including their spouses. Either way, Aunt Sal should get to go. Whether or not she wants to is another question. Huh. interesting well and i mean to be fair in my defense i didn't realize we could change the rules altogether <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just upended the whole thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah interesting. I, but i agree but i've I, always thought and that I was, actually yeah. really love her answer so that's yeah so she's in the right you know profession. people all over the world are um answering these queries all the time and so uh this research about 
etiquette and that type of thing brought me to the interesting topic of finishing school. Ooh. Have you guys heard of finishing school? Yeah. I, I, does it still exist? Well, well, oh. Julie. So finishing school uh, is a school for young women that focuses on teaching social graces and upper-class cultural rights in, prop, in preparation for entry into society with classes primarily deportment and in etiquette with academics secondary. So um, educational ladies salons of the late 19th century led to formal finishing institutions, uh, which were very popular in Switzerland around that time. Because uh, Switzerland had a reputation as a healthful environment, a multilingual and cosmopolitan aura, and the region's political stability. At their peak, thousands of wealthy women were sent to dozens of finishing schools available. Mm. A primary goal, as we mentioned earlier, was to teach women to acquire husbands. Um, so people who attended finishing school included Princess Diana, as well as her son's nanny, um, France's former first lady, Carla Bruni Sarkozy, Sarkozy, sorry. Um, and so it was obviously a, you know, a very popular thing for people to do. The traditional model of the finishing school kind of as a, as a, a way of acquiring a husband, uh, saw its decline in the 1960s, but the 1990s saw a revival of the finishing school, although the business model had been radically altered. That was, it was really interesting because the New Yorker featured a really uh, cool article called Lessons from the Last Swiss Finishing School. It was published in 2018, but wow. I googled it and uh, it is still, it is still, it doesn't have a beautiful website. I'm sorry, Institut Villa Pierrefeu, but it does still exist. And so I would, uh, we'll link this, of course, in the show notes, but um, this finishing, this article is really quite fascinating. So Vivian Neri was a school, currently the school's headmistress and her mother, who never uh, attended finishing school, actually founded this with a loan from her parents. So vegetarian was cooking, cooking, vegetarian cooking was taught, family planning, psychology and car maintenance. Her school's aim, according to a 1965 brochure, was to teach its people its charges, how to have a lively and well-run home where there exists a real interest in all that is going on with the world, which sounds kind of cool. That mm. does, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when the writer who wrote the New Yorker article attended, I guess sometime around 2018, some of the people who were there included a Canadian CEO, an American mother of five, six young Chinese women, a few lawyers from India and Australia, a Nigerian chemical engineer, a marketing manager from Dubai and included also a former Emirates flight attendant from Romania. So it was quite, it was attracting quite a wide array of people. And, and they were, some of them were kind of later on in life. Like they'd already established careers. Yeah. Like a CEO. So yeah. I think, I think it's partially because it seems to, so it, I think kind of it's earlier um, goals might, had changed a little bit. I think it really took on like a, international kind of uh, education so it says in in addition to learning how to clean marble address a dowager duchess serve a luncheon the students attended lectures devoted to customs of 20 countries so mm. one class on mexico they were warned about mary that warned that marigolds red roses and silver all make for inappropriate guests gifts uh, so marigolds are morbid 
Red roses are lusty. Ooh. Silver, which is locally mined in Mexico, would fail to impress. So uh-huh. I think when you take that like international approach, I think it would, especially like you have a Canadian CEO. So it might have been, you know, um, the ability to do business in all kinds of cultures and, and to really kind of understand people from an international sense i mean that course sounds like like i would want to take that that would would be be, extremely interesting let alone probably very like you said for a ceo that would be very um Mm -hmm. valuable yeah yeah exactly and so uh, i think to bring it all around um one of this this is a really interesting story so that the individual so the individual uh who wrote the article said one afternoon, Andrea, a 30 year old Romanian woman who now lives in Dubai, she moved there not knowing when five weeks after winning a bet with a coworker that she could get a job as an Emirates flight attendant. So she has worked in private aviation, often for Royal families in the middle East for almost seven years. And she said, you cannot believe how people's faces light up when you greet them as they're accustomed to at home. Mm. Andrea recounted the, story of queen victoria who upon noticing her foreign guests drinking from their finger bowls drank from hers as well it's a question of empathy she said you can't have etiquette if you can't open your heart and mind to listen to other people and truly listen truly know who they are and where they come from and want to make them feel comfortable seeing i was no longer in the shade andrea urged me to reposition myself and as i did i noticed her eyes were met that her eyes were met with tears etiquette is not something you learn for yourself she continued it's something you continue to do for others and i think that's beautiful so it was really interesting too because i i as part of my research i was reading a um country living article as well and they um likened or they actually kind of brought it also etiquette around to empathy so it's the ability to understand and share your feel the feelings of another in other words considering the people around you and i think you know when you when you look back to um the the situation I mentioned at the beginning. So my so ter, my friend came over. My cat had been feeling unwell, and she brought uh, a little like um, gift for the cat, like a little. She had gone to a, a pet store Aww. and brought a little um, a little uh, gift for the cat, which of course the cat probably <laughs> she she loved it. But I think it was partially, you know, for me a little bit, you know, and and the em- empathy. Yeah. So. It was a really etiquette based thing. You know, you come to someone's house, you bring a gift. But I think um, it's also the thoughtfulness of it. And really, it's about making people feel comfortable. And I think even the question of that, the mask scenario, right? Like those people, you know, they had every right, you know, the mask mandates lifted in Calgary, but you're in amongst people who have chosen to attend a concert because they felt the comfort. And so to me, that question would be, how am I making the people around me feel? You know what I mean? And so I think when you think about etiquette, I love that, that coming around full circle to that idea of it's not about finding a husband and it's not about looking really good in society. It's about um, understanding the people around you and, and making them feel welcome. I love love that. that. No, I love that too. And it, it is so true. You do it for other people, I think, because if there's, if there's a rule of etiquette or like a baseline of understanding, then Mm -hmm. you're not kind of walking around on eggshells, you know, it's like the, you know, why else would you learn the, the customs of another country than to be able to do those things for them to, to show that you are empathetic to their situation and you are um, welcoming to try to, you know, 
put yourself in those in their shoes and yeah it definitely is about the comfort of of other people and yeah, yeah. I think that's great yeah um I wanted to bring sorry uh, I wanted to bring back one of Julie's games from earlier on game. for our, our for our listeners so yay okay or no go no <laughs> and I have some um etiquette example so this is from when did we do this was this for this was for the star divas. the star uh the divas the diva, when the they diva had their thing. yes okay so if it was acceptable okay if it was okay so yes this is okay, going to get a little complicated because no it's like no. avoid okay so um man spreading so it says be conscious of how you're sitting especially when commuting so man spreading can cause oh. more than just an eye roll. So I'm guessing that's kind of like oh yeah. when you Sitting sit back, back with yeah. your legs spread eagled. So man spreading, yay, okay, or no go, no, no go, no. <laughs> I mean, I also okay, but so the wait is this for both genders? Yes. Well, I think like just don't take up more than your fair share of space. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so that's a good one. My first thought is you look—you just kind of look like a slob and unapproachable. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't like the approach. If, it, if it's like sit like a lady, I'm not sure about that. But agreed. Like, take up your space, the right amount of space. Yeah. You're on a C train or whatever. Like, mind your mind the space around you. Okay, know your audience. Be aware of who's around before engaging in hot topics. Okay, so do you... Do you think about your audience before you say certain things? 100%. Yay okay or no go no? Yes. Okay. Yay okay. Yay okay. Julie? Yay okay, okay to a point. I mean, there are some things you should probably just keep to yourself. <laughs> but in general, yeah, be aware. Like, I don't swear in front of my mom. Right. And I don't talk about deeply personal things in front of my boss. Yeah. Like, it's, you know. Yeah. So, yes, I think you do have to be aware of your audience. Yeah. Okay. Do you ask before bringing a guest? Yes. Yes. Excellent. I had I had this backfire on me because I'm totally that person. Like I will always ask for bringing a guest. But I remember one time I went to like a, an event and I didn't bring my significant other and everyone else had their significant other there, but they didn't like make it explicitly like obvious. And it was like, they're like, oh, why didn't you bring them? I'm like, well, I didn't didn't know I could so mm. that I, I got hit I got slapped in the face with that but if, I'm sure if I had asked I would have been told yeah of course please do mm. right but was it not explained on the like the no. however you were invited like no. I feel like I I know if it if it, my invite is just for me or if it's for me and a significant other I hope you I hope you both can make it I hope you you know yeah well you're well there should always be kind of a, an Agreed. That's like the etiquette on the inviters. That yeah. Part. Yeah. Yes. That's not on well, you, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. When I also think like there's just some people who are like the more the merrier and not everyone's like that. You yes. know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. just being aware of those those people too. So just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. People who are reach out to people who are grieving. I don't I don't wanna do you or do you not? I think you yes. do. Yeah. Yeah. I think Agreed. that I've learned um from a few from a few um loved ones that that are close to me that have gone through some significant grief uh it's not it's not about what how you do it or what you do it's just the um it's just the action and mm -hmm. they know that you are in their thoughts i think that's really important 
Yeah. You don't have to say the right thing or do the right thing or know how to, you're not expected to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. But if you are thinking of them, they absolutely need to know. Agreed. Absolutely. Help someone who's clearly struggling. Well, with what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it, is it hilariously struggling or? <laughs> is it going to end my entertainment immediately? <laughs> am I in, am I in a rush for something? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, so it, the example that they have is like, if you see someone straining to reach something at the high, on the highest shelf in the grocery store. And okay. If you're a tall person. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, but if you're me who has no extra, I don't, I have no leverage on that situation. I can't, what do you want me? To, I'm, I can give suggest, suggestions or maybe be like, hey, I saw a broom in aisle three. Like, maybe you go get that. Like, I'm not going to go get it for you, but maybe you go get that if you can't find somebody to help you. So I feel like it's, it's completely situational and it would be a one-off. If somebody is in a situation in which I can make it better for them, I will do that. Yes. If they yeah. have slipped in the grocery aisle, say and there was yeah. yet to be a cleanup, then I will, of course, help them up. Okay, and here's the last one. Don't groom yourself in public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, and even at home sometimes, <laughs> I think there are places that some grooming should happen, and there are other places where grooming should not happen, even at home. That's my two cents. My mind goes to nail clippings and flossing like you like don't do oh who flosses outside the bathroom exactly (laughs) very well done and a great topic now julie do you have a a good news story for us i do and you know it always comes back to the library for me (laughs) always (laughs) i came across a really interesting concept and it's actually um in about 70 different countries now and it is called the human library and what it is have i talked about this no and i am very intrigued okay great yeah um so the idea being that you know speaking of empathy that you meet someone and you have a conversation, you borrow them from the library. And some examples of the individuals who you can borrow from the library, it sounds a little bit transactional, but it's not meant to be. <laughs> um, but would be um, someone who's on the autism spectrum or someone who's a refugee, um, perhaps someone who is or has been homeless or has a dif- has a disability such as they are deaf or uh, blind. And the idea is that you get to know them and hear their story and, um, you know, probably gain a bit of empathy of from where they are and what they've been through and who they are. And much in the same way, when you read a really good book, you can take something away and learn something. But this is um, a communicating with a real person um, through the library. Wow, what a phenomenal idea. And that's just to you know, to gain that perspective that you would otherwise know, you know, you can read lots of books, but to actually have a conversation with people and ask questions in real time. What a fascinating, how do you know anything about how you would off, like how do they find these people or yeah, how does the program work really? Yeah. So it kind of works because of the concept and those individuals wanting to be part of the library and share their stories, which is huge, right? Like 
I mean, not everybody wants to. So this is somebody who's said, okay, I feel strong in my story and I want to share it and I'm going to make myself available. And this started in Denmark about um, 16 years ago, actually, was the first human library. And it's now gone to over 70 countries. And yeah, it was just kind of spawned by that idea and reaching out into the community for people who may have um, a story to share or ever, if they've ever felt discriminated against, but wanted to talk to people to engage them um, and to, and maybe change people's minds. One um, example that they've given was a police officer who uh, borrowed somebody who was a graffiti artist and they had a conversation. So um, in that case, so I think it was kind cool. of a two-way conversation, right? From Definitely. From both standpoints of where they're coming from and, um, and the way they choose to approach the world. So I thought it was just really cool. And, you know, I love a library and, uh, I, I thought this was just a really special story to share the human library. I think that's amazing. And I mean, I'm, I'm also a huge advocate of the library. I think they've, we've got great libraries here locally, and I would definitely look in to see if that's been explored or if that's an, option i mean if you can if you can rent snowshoes why can't you have a conversation with somebody you know from a different walk of life that would be hugely beneficial conversation 100 percent, yes so cool that is a great news story i really love that thank you and with that i feel strongly that it was likely people found what they were looking for <laughs> 